Hey friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So I'm taking a little bit of a break from our theme of talking to some of my favorite authors this season, and I wanted to do a solo episode to fill you in on something kind of interesting that happened to me here on the homestead this spring. Uh, It's the first time this has ever happened to me, and I learned a lot from this whole adventure, if you want to call it that. So I thought I would share this story with you because I have a feeling um, maybe you've had this issue as well. So I did share this in a YouTube video a couple months ago. So this is a little bit of a repeat of that information, but I know I have a group of people who watch YouTube and I have a group of people who listen to the podcast and sometimes they don't always cross over. So I like to make sure the info goes uh, on both platforms. So if you follow me on Instagram, I talked about this kind of the beginning of this saga. I think it was in May, April, April, May. Uh, And I didn't really give a great conclusion because I got really deep into writing my book and I fell off the Instagram ragging real hard. I just kind of stopped posting completely over there almost. Uh, And so I wanted to give you the whole story. Also, some of you may not be on Instagram. You might've missed it. So uh, anyway, big learning opportunity for me this year. And the story begins um, with my seed starting this year. So I've talked a ton about starting seeds. Um, We have blog posts on it and videos and I've done podcast episodes you guys know, or most of you should know, I start my seeds from scratch almost pretty much every year, um, the last decade. And I do tomatoes and peppers and the whole nine yards. And I have, you know, baker racks in my basement with fluorescent shop lights. And I start the seeds in little containers and potting soil. And, you know, off we go. It's just really simple. I've, I've explained it at lots of different platforms and it's really basic. And it's always worked really, really well for me. Um, I generally start maybe a hundred tomato plants ish. I grow them from seed. It's way more cost effective. And I have it down to a science, like not, not to be like obnoxious about it, but I've done it a lot and it always works. And so I didn't have any reason to think it wouldn't work the same this year. I put my potting soil in my little containers. I never use seed starting medium because um, I find it just requires an extra step of me starting it. And then I have to immediately transplant it as soon as the seeds germinate. And I'm like, potting soil has always worked great for me. I've never been picky about my potting soil brand. I just grab whatever is at the store. No problems whatsoever. So did the same thing I normally do. Planted my seeds, watered them, stuck them under the grow lights. And just like clockwork, they all started to come up. Um, I use True Leaf Seeds. You guys know I've worked with them as a sponsor or they sponsor me. I've been one of their affiliate partners for years because I love them. They germinate amazingly well. They're heirloom. And just like usual, the True Leaf tomato seeds came up almost 100% germination rate as usual. You know, we're trucking along, I'm watering, it's, you know, two weeks into the process. And I start to look at these tomato seedlings and they had their first set of leaves, but I noticed they just didn't seem to be progressing. And at first I thought that, you know, maybe I'm just kind of imagining it. And, you know, I was busy. I was thinking about a lot of other things. And I'm like, I think I'm, I'm maybe expecting them to grow faster than they usually grow. So I just kind of blew it off and just decided I would continue to be patient. Well, Another week passed and they really didn't grow. And I started to scratch my head. And another week passed and they didn't change. And I started at that point to go, something is wrong. Um, Then some of the seedlings, not all, but some of them started to get kind of, they seemed yellow. And I'm like, is it my imagination? But sure enough, they just, when I compared them to other plants, they were just this, just not as healthy looking, not as vibrant green. Uh, And so... I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought initially that maybe my lights were at the wrong height, like they'd never had a problem with them before, but I thought maybe I have them too low or um, I have them on too much. I usually just leave them on 24 hours a day, 
I thought maybe all of a sudden that's not appropriate. So I tried turning them off at night. I tried um, raising the light so they wouldn't be too close to the seedlings and nothing changed. Um, I looked at my seeds to make sure they were fresh. They were, they were seeds I've always used. So that I knew that wasn't the seed issue. So the next place I started to look was the potting soil. Like I said, I've never had issue with any type of potting soil in the past, but I decided to do a test and I grabbed a different brand of potting soil and replanted the seeds. But this time we're a little bit late, but I knew if I hurried, I could still get them started enough to plant in the garden um, around the 1st of June, which is when I usually do my tomatoes. And sure enough, with this new brand of potting soil, the seedlings germinated immediately and there was a massive difference in how they grew. Um, they got bigger, they were stronger, they started to get their other sets of leaves much faster, and the green color of the seedlings was markedly different than the first set, which were kind of that yellow pale color. So I knew, we had, we had narrowed it down, we knew it had to be the potting soil. And I, as I started to figure this out, I looked at the other plants, other seedlings we had started around that same time. The peppers were doing the same thing, yellowed. A lot of the peppers just started to keel over and just die off. Um, our brassicas, our broccoli, and our cabbage seedlings were doing the same thing. Uh, and so I had a number of those little baby seedlings, you know, they're like an inch tall at this point, maybe a little bigger. I thought, well, maybe the ones that haven't died, we can salvage them because it was a lot of seedlings. So we um, took some of them that looked the healthiest and we would gently take them out of their containers. There's not a lot of soil around them because it was a little tiny container, but we would take them out and then put them um, in fresh soil as, as much as we could fit into this little pack uh, and not disrupt the roots and try not to hurt them. And so we tried transplanting them. A lot of them didn't survive the transplant because it was, you know, it's a little hard to be gentle when they're that tiny. But the ones that did survive, it was crazy. Within 24 hours, they were greener and they started growing. So I knew for sure the potting soil had to be the issue, but then I had to figure out why. Um, and at this point of the game, I was scratching my head and I posted my conundrum over on Instagram stories. And I said, guys, this is what's happening. Never had this happen before. Um, has anyone else had this problem this year, especially? And this is when I knew I was onto something because I got so many responses. I think I had more responses to that Instagram story than I've ever had in my whole however many years of posting stuff online. And I had hundreds of you respond and say, oh my gosh, I thought I was um, cursed. I thought I couldn't start seedlings and something was wrong with me because I had tried to grow tomatoes this year and nothing worked and everything died and I couldn't figure it out. And it was um, overwhelming. The response was overwhelming. So the brand of potting soil I used for these troubled seedlings was Kellogg Organics. Um, and I think I've used them in the past. I can't say for certain, but I know they're kind of like the, the bargain brand of potting soil that you would get at like your typical Lowe's or Home Depot. I think Christian had got me a bag this past spring when he went to Lowe's because we go to Lowe's all the time to get stuff. And he just grabbed a bag and brought it home and it was fine. And when I potted the, or I initially uh, planted my seeds in my little packs, um, I didn't think much of it. I did notice that it had a lot of wood in it. Like the potting soil was coarse and had a lot of wood. Um, I've had coarse-ish potting soils in the past. And I've never had a lot of issue with it. So I didn't really feel that worried about it. Um, but when I mentioned Kellogg Organic on my Instagram stories, I got a ton of responses of people also saying that they had issue with that brand. So um, 
I knew that we had to do some digger, deep, deeper digging. The first thing we did is we reached, I reached out to the company, Kellogg Organic themselves. Um, and I asked them if their formula had changed because the weird part is, is a lot of people who responded to my story said, you know, they'd used it in the past and hadn't had that issue. So I started to wonder, you know, I know with COVID and the shortages and there's all this supply chain stuff, I feel like, you know, maybe um, the companies innocently swapped out one of the ingredients in their mix and it inadvertently affected the soil. So it's not as potent and it's not as healthy for the seedlings. So um, one of their customer service reps wrote back and said, no, our formula has not changed, um, which was strange. And he suggested to you that I should only use seed starting mixes. And I'm like, well, I know that's what's recommended, but I've used, you know, regular potting soil of all different brands to start seeds for years with no issue. So, um, they say, they said no formula change. And then my, uh, assistant, Michelle, she's a member of my team, Michelle Visser. You've heard me interview her on this podcast before she did some more digging because she's really good at digging. And she reached out to Kellogg's again to see if she could talk to someone, maybe in upper management. Again, I'm not trying to trash Kellogg's at all. I just wanted to get to the bottom of what was changing. Um, and it, there was a couple other people when I was talking about this on Instagram who said they had the same experience happen with other brands. So I'm like, well, maybe it's kind of an industry-wide phenomenon that's happening. Some shortage is causing this. Hey, friends. So I'm interrupting this episode for just a second because I'm sitting here with a giant box of beef on my lap. You may not be able to see this uh, unless you're watching the video version of the podcast. Uh, and it's very cold beef, might I add. But I don't know about you. But when the weather changes, it starts to get colder, I get this urge to stock up. I think it's like this primal human thing. I want my pantries full. I want my freezers full. I want to have the vegetables and the fruits squirreled away. And I want to have plenty of meat for the winter. Now, you guys know that I'm a huge proponent of you growing your own meat. I think that's one of the most rewarding things we can grow as homesteaders. However, I know that not everybody can grow their own beef or chicken or pork. And one of Christian and I's dreams for years has been to be able to provide really good beef to those of you who don't have the ability to grow it yourself. A couple of years ago, we launched Genuine Beef Company. You've maybe heard me talk about it before here on the podcast. And we are able to now provide Wyoming-raised grass-finished beef to anyone in the continental United States. Uh, it's been amazing to see the boxes going out. Super rewarding. But for this season... We put together a special stock up special to help you get your freezer full of good beef for your winter meals, the crock pot recipes, the stews, all that comfort food. So you go over to genuinebeefco.com. That's genuinebeefco.com and click on the banner at the top. You'll see the stock up special. It's a very, very low price. And we've thrown in two free pounds of ground beef. In addition to that ground beef, you're going to get two sirloin tip roasts. You're going to get four round steaks. You're going to get two pounds of stew meat. Um, and this is good stuff. These are our cattle. We don't ship them in from anybody else. This is the animals we raise right here on the Wyoming Prairie. So head on over to genuinebeefco.com. Check out the stock up special and give our beef a try. I can't wait to see what you think. Now back to our episode. Okay. So Michelle reached out and talked to someone named Zach at Kellogg's and he was super helpful. Um, and she explained that we had been talking to all these people on social media about this issue and that hundreds of people had said they've had this issue with the Kellogg's brand of soil. And Michelle asked him if 
um, within the last couple of years, which is really kind of the problem zone, if they had maybe changed their formula, changed their recipe. And Zach confirmed that in 2020, it, it was difficult to source some of the nutrients, but he said it wasn't affecting the recipe to the point where it would cause any changes. That was, that's what his report was. Um, he did say that there was a peat moss shortage in 2022. That's a huge problem that many potting soil manufacturers are facing, but that didn't affect Kellogg's because they use composted wood chips instead of peat moss, which would definitely, I, I believe that because when you use their soil, it's got a lot of wood in it, which I don't really love. But I also know peat moss is not a, is not a great material either because it's not sustainable. Um, if you look into that, there's a lot of debate and stuff, sketchiness around peat moss. So anyway, so we didn't get very definitive results from Kellogg's themselves, although they were helpful. So I decided to do my own detective work because I was intrigued at that point. It's funny how when you get into homesteading, um, you get real nerdy about very random things. And I got real nerdy about dirt and soil this summer. So I just so happened to had been, I had been talking to Redmond's uh, agriculture, their Redmond salt. You guys have heard me talk about them. I adore Redmond salt, use them exclusively. Well, they have a division of their company called Redmond agriculture, and they were getting ready to launch a home soil test kit. Now you've heard me talk about soil testing here on the podcast before. It's a fantastic way to help your yields. It's really an important bit of data to have if you want to grow vegetables um, and grow them efficiently. So the problem with soil testing is it can be a little bit cumbersome. You have to get your sample and then, you know, send it to a university or an extension office or somewhere online. It's not hard. It's just clunky. And so Redmond said, they told me that they had been working on this home soil test that was a lot easier. And I was super pumped. And I'm like, this is the perfect time to test it out. So I was like, send me a bunch of the soil kits. And they did. So we spent a day gathering soil from all over the homestead. Um, I got it from my raised beds. I got some from my greenhouse. I got some from my compost pile. Stay tuned for that because that was interesting. And then I bought a bunch of different brands of potting soil and we tested all of them. Now you normally wouldn't test potting soil with this kit, but I just thought it would be helpful. So we tested Kellogg. We tested, um, there's one, I think it's Fox Farm. It's either Fox Farm or Happy Frog. Maybe it's Fox Farm and it has a Happy Frog on the bag. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like there's that brand. It's a really cute bag. Anyway, that's like an organic brand. So I tested theirs. I tested um, one called Stay Green, which is kind of, I think, more of like a generic brand. And then I tested a number of miracle Grow. Um, there was regular miracle Grow and miracle Grow Performance Organics. Uh, I know a lot of people are not big fans of miracle Grow. I discovered that when I mentioned their name by accident on my Instagram stories and a bunch of people yelled at me. I'm not saying I'm a proponent of miracle Grow, but I just bought them to test it. So just want to put that out there. Please don't send me any emails. So I sent my soil test in to Redmond and I'm sorry if you're listening to this on the podcast, on the video, you can see I'm, I'm shuffling papers, but if there's paper noise on the podcast, it's because I'm, I have the results here in front of me and I'm flipping them. So my apologies anyway. So we grabbed all these samples, sent them in. And then like within five to six days, I had my results from Redmond and it was fascinating. So of course the one I was most interested in was the Kellogg soil. And I have to say, I did, I did have some predictions. I predicted that with, as I was watching these seedlings fail to thrive, um, the lack of green 
the lack of growth. Like I knew that the seedlings had no trouble germinating. The germination rate was perfect, but they just couldn't get past that initial growth phase. So I couldn't help but wonder if it was nitrogen related because nitrogen is what gives plants that oomph to keep growing, right? So I wonder, well, maybe um, the potting soil is low in nitrogen. Well, sure enough, I got the test results back and that's exactly what it confirmed. I know I'm holding it up to the camera. I know you probably can't see that. Um, but Redmond gives you this really, I printed these out, but this is a report that you get online. They email you the report. And I found out that Kellogg was high pH, low in nitrogen, low in phosphorus, um, and low also in iron, manganese, zinc, copper, and boron, which aren't as big of a deal, right? I was really more concerned about like the nitrogen and those big nutrients, but it was really telling that the nitrogen was as low as it was. And I think that was the reason the seedlings were just stunted. So, and that's also why as soon as I put them in a higher nitrogen medium, they took off. So I found out Kellogg's is low in nitrogen. I also found out the rest of the soils that I tested were pretty decent. Uh, the stay green was optimal pH. Nitrogen was actually a little high. Phosphorus was high. Um, so those were kind of where they should be. I think they probably some of those soils were high on purpose just to give things a bit of oomph when they're in a pot or whatever. The regular miracle grow was high pH, high nitrogen, high phosphorus, high potassium. The miracle grow performance organics was optimal pH, high nitrogen, high phosphorus, high potassium. And the happy frog or fox farm or whatever it is was optimal pH, high nitrogen, optimal phosphorus, and high potassium. So, and all of those we tested with seeds and they all grew just fine. It was really the Kellogg that gave us the biggest issue. And I, I talked to a number of folks on Instagram who said that they had bought the Kellogg's brand um, cause it was cheaper, right. At Lowe's or home Depot and filled raised beds with it. And that's hundreds of dollars worth of potting soil. They had filled those up and then, um, had to yank it all out because their seedlings were just not thriving. So it was a hard lesson because I, I think in the process of figuring out what was going on, I killed over 150 seedlings, um, by the time I really replanted and, and waited and then planted some more and waited for those to die and, and finally kind of figured out what was going. But it was an important lesson um, and really underscored to me how crucial it is to know where our soil is at as far in terms of nutrients, um, whether that's potting soil or it's our garden soil. I heard from a lot of folks saying they didn't have great garden years this year. A lot of people said they really struggled I think part of that is due to the heat wave that most of the country experienced and the lack of moisture. Um, I've heard people saying we're in that La Nina cycle and it comes around every 10 years. And if that's true, which I think it is, that's dead on to what we experienced in 2012, 10 years ago. I remember it was so hot and so dry and so miserable. And that's exactly what it was, at least for us here in Wyoming. Um, you know, it just got blazing hot early in the summer and stayed blazing hot with very little rain things struggled and we had a hot wind and the seedlings just really had a hard time. Um, so I think that was part of the reason that people struggled to grow things this year. But I think maybe another factor that could be coming into play and actually Chris, my um, other assistant had this thought. I thought it was brilliant. You know, a lot of people started gardening in 2020, which is fantastic. And that's when it really started to take off. The homesteading movement exploded. 
So now it's 2022 and that's two growing seasons later. And a lot of the times you can get away with not paying attention to details when you first start growing things because your soil has some nutrient in there. But if you continue to grow in those same spots for a couple years, that's when those deficiencies start to show up. So I'm wondering, this isn't the case for everyone, but for some, I'm wondering if the people who started in 2020 or 2019 are just now starting to see some of those deficiencies arise. Now, if you suspect that might be your situation, maybe you had a rough year this year. It, it definitely wasn't my best growing year ever. It really wasn't. Um, I would highly suggest getting a soil test from Redmond's. It's super cheap. I think they're I think they're less than 30 bucks and it's super fast. It's easy. And that way you have that data. And I'm not just telling you this because I work with Redmond's. Um, this is a, this is a brilliant product. And here's what else I, I found out about my own growing spaces, um, which was very enlightening. I had no idea um, on some of this. So I tested my greenhouse soil. Um, I have not added manure to my greenhouse since we put the beds in. Um, I, added like composted manure when we, we, we filled it up and then I haven't done anything else. And I'm still all like two years later, cause we built the greenhouse in 2020. I'm still high in nitrogen, um, which I'm not super concerned about, but I do know I have excessive plant growth, growth in there. Like I have pepper plants that are like almost past my waist, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I also had a lot of blossom end rot in my tomatoes, which there's a couple factors that can play in there, um, calcium imbalance, things like that. But I know that high nitrogen is also one factor. So I'm wondering if that's getting me in the greenhouse, that little bit of high nitrogen. I think there's probably more nitrogen in there, even though I haven't added more manure in a while because it doesn't ever get rained on and nothing leaches out. At least that's what I'm suspecting. So that was interesting. Good to know. Um, this was enlightening in my raised beds. You guys have seen pictures of my raised beds. I am low in nitrogen. And I really didn't expect that to be the case because last time I tested my raised beds a couple years ago, they were high because I had been adding manure so much. And I still add manure about once a year, chicken manure, horse manure out there. So um, apparently I'm not adding enough or the other factor that could be coming into play there um, is that my compost might not be as nutritious as I thought. I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. I also found out my potassium in the outdoor garden was low as well. So um, little tidbits that now where I've kind of been holding off on adding manure and extra compost outside because I thought I had enough, I'm going to be really stepping up my efforts out there this year. So that brings me to the compost pile because I did test my compost pile because I was doing a call with the Redmond guys. They um, did a deep dive into soil testing for our Freedom Foundry members. Um, that's my little membership group for folks who are wanting to create that freedom from all the different systems. And we'll post some info on that in the show notes. But we did a deep dive. And in that call, one of them said something about, well, you know, not all compost or not all manure compost is going to be high in nitrogen. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, what? You What? Like, how can that be? Because I'm kind of always had this belief that manure is always high, high in nitrogen. He's like, that's not always the case. That's why you kind of need to test your compost pile. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, I'm sure mine, I was like, I'm sure my manure pile, which is like straight horse manure and cow manure uh, is pretty high in nitrogen. So we tested it. 
sure enough, my results came back. We are low in nitrogen. My straight up manure compost is low in nitrogen. So when I am adding it to my garden soil and I'm thinking I'm giving us giving it a big nitrogen boost, I'm not really maybe doing as much as I thought I was. Why is my manure pile low in nitrogen? I'm still trying to figure that out. I think it may have to do with it's not covered. So it's exposed to the elements, the rain, the wind, the snow. And I'm wondering if a lot of that is leaching out. So I'm going to keep doing some research on that, probably do a follow-up episode eventually. But anyway, all that to say, I learned a lot from testing my soil. Um, so I think my takeaways from this experience would be, number one, I'm going to be very, very cautious about what potting soil I use in the future. Not that I didn't recover from my big mistake this spring, but it cost me in time. And it's also very disheartening to spend all that time planting, you know, 150 little baby plants and, and water them and then they all keel over and die. It's not, it's not super fun. So I'm going to be investing more in better potting soil from here on out. Um, I had some folks when I talked about this on Instagram, they're like, oh, I think they're doing this on purpose to try to hurt home gardeners or, you know, the government is in conspiracy with the potting soil companies. I just don't, I don't buy into that. I, I really don't. Um, I don't think this was intentional. I think it was caused by companies trying to make ends meet in a world of shortages and unstable supply chains. I think that is what happened. Um, I don't think it was intentional or nefarious. So that's just my two cents on that. Uh, also, I know for my gardens um, with this nitrogen deficiency, I'm going to get a lot more serious about cover crops. You've heard me talk about them before. I have some podcast episodes and blog posts about cover crops, but um, I'm really focusing on my outdoor garden. I'm focusing on nitrogen fixing cover crops. And those are ones that pull in nitrogen and actually add it to the soil. So we have some clover that we planted in those beds this year. I have a mix. Um, True Leaf Market has this cover crop mix that's got the legumes, which are the nitrogen fixers, and it has some, some rye and some grasses that help put roots down. And it has some brassicas that help with pest control. So it kind of covers all the bases that cover crops would cover. That's, that doesn't, that sounded weird. <laughs> it covers all your bases. How about that? Um, so I, I pulled out some of my crops in my raised beds this year a little bit early, just so I'd have time to get those cover crops in. Um, I'm going to continue to add manure. I'm going to be maybe mindful though, that the manure that I'm adding might not be as nutritious as I think it is. I'm going to continue digging down that rabbit hole a little bit to get more information, but it was an enlightening, uh, gardening season to say the least. And I want to give you guys encouragement. If you struggled this year, it might not be you. <laughs> it might not be you. It might be, um, deficiency in your soil. It might've been potting soil issues. It might just be time to take that next step into educating yourself um, about your soil and about your garden to kind of get yourself to that next level. You know, I, I never encourage beginning gardeners to overthink things or beginning homesteaders or anybody beginner. Like just get your toes in the water and start doing the things. And that's, I think, the best course of action because we can paralyze ourselves with all the details. But, you know, if you've been doing this a couple years, now it's time for you to dig deeper. You've mastered the basics. You know how to plant the seeds. You know what you can grow in your area. You've tilled up your backyard or whatever. And now it's time to take that next step of 
um, education, which I think is exciting. And I know I'm, I've been learning a ton this year. I've do- learned more about soil and nutrients and additives than I ever did in the past. So anyway, that is the story of my poisonous potting soil. I feel like I've had some good poison stories for you guys over the years in my garden from my herbicide contamination that happened twice to now my potting soil snafus. So I guess if you're looking for someone to do all the things wrong first so you can learn from their mistakes, I'm your girl. Okay, so if you want to try the Redmond soil kits, you could do that this fall. You could do it in the spring, um, whenever you want. It really isn't a right or wrong time. Go over to theprairiehomestead.com slash soil test. We'll drop that link in the show notes and use code homestead to save 15% on the kits or anything else you want to grab from Redmond. They have all kinds of cool stuff. They also are adding um, different amendments into their offerings. So, you know, they can kind of give you that recommendation once you get your test back. Here's what you could add or, you know, that you don't have to add their amendments, but it's just one option. So definitely worth checking out. I really like what they're doing in this space. I love it when companies solve problems. Um, when they do, I'm kind of like, here, take my money. I am happy to pay you to help me solve this problem. It's absolutely worth it. And it was definitely worth it with these soil kits. So if you get a kit and you get your results back, I'd love to see what they are. I'd love to see if you had any revelations from them. So post them on Instagram and give me a tag um, and we can be soil nerds together. So anyway, that is my story for you today. I have a little bit of a follow-up episode coming to this one. One topic that showed up in my inbox a couple different times when I started telling people of my problems with my potting soil was this issue of bio sludge or biosolids. Um, it's something I really wasn't aware of until this spring, and it led me down a whole nother rabbit hole. So I have someone who's very knowledgeable in the world of bio sludge. Doesn't that sound glamorous? And she's going to be on in either next episode or the following and give us the scoop of what we need to know in about that, because it's kind of concerning. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but as homesteaders, we have a chance to um, push back against this issue. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that's all I have for you today, friends. Check out the show notes for those soil kits. I'll also drop a link for my uh, cover crops down there if you want to add those to your garden this year. There should be time depending on your climate, but most of you will have time to get those in. So thanks so much for listening and we'll catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.